Kelly Show. Let's have some fun on a Wednesday. And there's going to be uncontrollable laughter tonight. And I already know what you're saying, Jesse. What? The world is on fire. How could there be laughter? What else are we going to do? What else are we going to do? If it has to be bad, if you and I have to live through this, Shouldn't it be really bad so we can laugh along the way? I mean, just in case you missed it, right before the show started, right before the show started, we had (laughs) the president of the United States. Remember, we're in the middle of by far the most embarrassing foreign policy disaster since Vietnam. There's that, that's not debatable. The most. So what is that? 50 years? (laughs) I don't know. I went to community college. It's 50 years, I think. So we're, we're in the middle of that right now. That's not debatable. That's not Republican. That's not Democrat or whatever. In the middle of this, Joe Biden takes off to Camp David for vacation. And then after Afghanistan collapses, he finally gets bullied into returning back from vacation, gives like a 10-minute speech, gives takes no questions, and then goes right back to vacation. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's mad. People are dying. There's internet video everywhere. So that's already bad enough, right? Well... Now, Joe Biden and his team have clearly been trying to put their heads together and do some kind of damage control at this point in time. They came up with this. We have the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. We have the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, doing a press conference with Milley. And, well, here's how this went. You know, we have like 10, 11,000 Americans out there. 10, 11,000 Americans. They asked the Secretary of Defense, um, what's the plan for getting the 10, 11,000 Americans back? And this, this is what our Secretary of Defense said. A distinction, uh, Barr, between extracting someone in an in extremist condition versus uh, going out and collecting up large numbers of American citizens. Do you have the capability to go out and collect Americans? We don't have the capability to go out and collect up large uh, numbers of of people. Oh, okay. (laughs) Why am I laughing? You have to understand how embarrassingly terrible is this when this was, this was not like an impromptu statement. This was the plan they took a few days to come up with. Like, they sat down around a table. All right, what are we going to tell the press? <laughs> and, and, and this is what they came up with. General Milley, I mean, this this one's a little bit longer. Don't worry, I'm getting to Joe Biden in a minute. General Milley, you know, it's kind of like the most important military man in the United States of America. He was asked, uh, okay, how could you guys not have seen this coming? What what? Everyone else could see this coming. Why couldn't you? And this was this was their planned statement after three or four days. The time frame of a rapid collapse that was widely estimated and ranged from weeks to months and even years following our departure. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. Central Command submitted a variety of plans that were briefed and approved. Okay, so uh, that's that's not ideal. That's not ideal. Everyone else seemed to see this seemed to see this thing coming. Millie, uh, he didn't. And then 
Joe Biden stepped up to the mic. I mean, remember, the buck stops there. He is the commander-in-chief, after all. And he hasn't taken a single question from the press about Afghanistan. And, and uh, man, I don't know about you. I'm anxious to hear what the president has to say about the worst foreign policy disaster in half a century. Here's what he had to say. Unfortunately, as you've seen throughout this pandemic, some politicians are trying to turn public safety measures, that is children wearing masks in school, into political disputes for their own. I'm not being game. facetious. He stood up to the microphone and gave a long speech about coronavirus and then didn't take any questions and walked off the stage. <laughs> we, are, we are screwed. I mean, how, what else are we supposed to do but laugh? Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing and it's terrible. But look, there is, there is really a silver lining. And not just the, oh, we're screwed, let's laugh about it, silver lining. There's genuinely a silver lining. I don't want you to be down. I don't want you to be down right now. I need you to hear me and hear me well. Look, the system, the corrupt, rotted-out system we have that runs the United States of America. We talked about it a billion times. I don't have to explain it to you again right now. It's really terrible. It's really powerful, so on and so forth. You know all these things. But the system thrives on one thing and one thing only. The system thrives on and is only able to survive because enough people think it's still legitimate. What you're witnessing right now is not just the United States of America, but the entire world finding out, oh, oh, the United States is run by a bunch of incompetent boobs who couldn't manage a Walgreens. That's the truth of it. And you don't, look, that hurts, right? I mean, that hurts, but you knew that anyway. Let's be honest about something, because I don't want you to be down. Let's be honest, just you and me talking here. Are you surprised by any of this? Are you genuinely surprised? We threw out one of the great foreign policy presidents in the history of the United States of America, that's not debatable, by the way. I don't care if you hate Trump. That's not debatable. He is. We threw out one of the great foreign policy presidents in the history of America, and instead we installed a dementia patient with a half-functional brain. And his partner in crime, the vice president, couldn't possibly be less likable, less experienced, and doesn't care about anyone or anything but herself, and everybody around her knows that. Oh, but wait, there's more. We have spent two decades, three decades probably, it's probably two, but closer to three, putting in the most left-wing, academic, no real-world-having-experienced real world, uh, losers into all positions of power within our federal government. We, we spent two decades putting some college professor in charge of the CIA, FBI. They're now teaching at our military academies, so our generals are turning out this way. You knew all this. I, shoot, you listen to my show. I've been telling you all this. You're not shocked. I know. I, I Look, I know. The pictures and videos of women crying and people being beaten and kids bloody. and I know all that's tough, and we're going to get to that in a minute. And don't worry, I'm going to be wildly offensive about that too. But hear me out. You don't have to be shocked like everyone else. This is your time. 
This is the time when you should thrive. You knew all this. Now, the rest of the world knows it too. There's value in that. There's incredible value in that. When you get embarrassed like this, this internationally embarrassed, this universally embarrassed, sometimes that's a time when things can change. Embarrassment is a time when things actually change. You don't change when everything's comfortable, do you? Oh, I just got a promotion. I am dating some dime, driving a Mercedes Benz, got a beautiful house. Life is good. Are you going to change anything? No, life is good. When do you make changes? Oh, I just lost my job. Showed up hungover one too many times. Wife ran out on me. Kids won't speak to me anymore. I got too drunk and missed a couple baseball games. Crashed my car in the ditch. I'm driving a rental now. That's when you sit down and make changes. Okay. The wife ran out on us and we crashed the car in the ditch. Now everyone knows it. Maybe now's the time for change. Keep your chin up. Except I'm going to offend everyone. Next. Hang on. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. It is The Jesse Kelly Show. See, don't you feel better? I knew you would feel better. What else are we going to There's value in embarrassing yourself. I guess I should say what's actually happening on the show. It's just so much happened right before the show began. What's happening on the show? Well, yeah, I'll lay out everything that's happening for you currently in Afghanistan. Um, it's all bad. Don't worry. I'm just going to go ahead and get ahead of that one. It's all bad. Uh, new Disney movie sucks. Uh, feminists are the worst people on the planet, and I've warned you about that, so on and so forth. And I promise to offend you wildly, but I'll get to that in just a moment. I did want to do something else here first. I think I think I need to lay something out for you here. Joe Biden is not the president of the United States of America. He's, just, he's not. You better be clear about that. Here is Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau, as you know, is that extremely effeminate prime minister of Canada. So Canada, obviously, I mean, look, Canada's a major nation. They asked Justin Trudeau. We're we're several days into this thing here. They asked Justin Trudeau, what's going on? Afghanistan, you've been involved. Uh, How's the conversations going with you and Joe Biden? Here's what he had to say. I also spoke last night with former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who shares our concern for Afghan women and girls. She welcomed our efforts and urged Canada to continue our work. I'm, I'm sorry? Uh, Chris, hold on, hold on. I might need you to, I know you do some amazing things with audio. I might need you to play that again for me here. Maybe I have something in my ear. I would have swore the Prime Minister of Canada just said he spoke to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton? I also spoke last night with former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton who shares our concern for Afghan women and girls. Okay. Obviously, I'm being tongue-in-cheek. That's what he actually said. What does that mean? What's the situation? Joe Biden, whether he's senile, Alzheimer's, dementia, just old, I don't know what it is. Joe Biden is not a functional adult. The reason they whisked Joe Biden off to Camp David the second this started looking bad was they wanted to do what they had done with him throughout the campaign, remember, and they wanted to hide him. 
That's why he showed back up, gave a five-minute speech, no questions, took right back off. Because they want to hide him. That's why he showed up again, gave a 10-minute speech just right before the show, and then, boom, took off for a long weekend in Delaware. The world knows this. Joe Biden is not the president. So who is the president? Well, it's funny you brought that up. It's a bunch of people. Joe Biden's cabinet, they're the presidency right now. Now, that's not good news either. Because remember, we talked about this last night. You have to understand about the people who surround Joe Biden. The three things about them. Remember, I told you to understand communists last night and three things. Remember what those three things were we went over last night? Let's cover it again real quickly. One, all all these people share this in common. One, there's no love for America. Most of the time it's flat out hatred of America, but there's no love. So nothing they do is motivated by what's best for the country. All right? That's one. Two, all these people, every one of them, they all believe we live in a different, more civilized era. Why do they believe that? Because none of them have lived in the real world. And I want to know what you're saying. Jesse, some of these people are in their 50s. No, no, no. You don't understand. You grow up rich or upper middle class in, in white suburbia somewhere, white picket fences, private schools. And then you leave from there at the age of 18, probably driving a brand new BMW daddy bought for you. And you head off to Yale which is heaven on earth, manicured lawns, no crime, crystal clean, everything else, and you spend four, five, six, seven, eight years at Yale, and soon, soon, hey, you're doing the math here, soon you're in your 20s, and you're exiting Yale, and you still have never tasted the real world, and then you leave right from Yale to go work uh, in Congressman Jerkwater's office, or you go work in one of the various government bureaucracies. I got a job. My dad got me a job in the State Department. And that's how they do it. And you work from, you bounce around from there. Eventually you'll, because they all do this, eventually you'll take a little contributor job at CNN, get yourself some FaceTime on TV. Then you'll leave and go be the senator's chief of staff. And then look at the resumes. Look at you think I'm joking or being or, or just, you know, blowing something out of proportion. Look at the resumes of everyone in Joe Biden's administration. These people, no matter their age, have never tasted the real world. Never. They don't know about it. They, they can't relate to it. You could take a six-year-old boy born in some poor African tribe, and that six-year-old boy quite literally has more real-world perspective than the people who run the United States of America. That's true. All right. So you have to understand those two things. You must understand those two things. And last, certainly not least, which makes this last part extra scary. They believe they should rule over you. This is a common way of thinking throughout the history of mankind. There are people who genuinely believe, not that they're better. I mean, they believe that too, but they, they were born to rule over you. They believe it would be better for you and them if you would simply do what they tell you to do. I told you not to do that. Hey, take your vaccine. I told you to take your vaccine. You know what? You're not going to school if you can't get that vaccine. You don't 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 even think you're going to eat at this restaurant. You didn't do what I told you to do. Those are the people who have surrounded Joe Biden. Those are the people frankly who run your FBI. They run your military. They run the Pentagon. They run the CIA. They run the State Department. They run the CDC. They run every institution you used to respect. All of them. They all share what I just told you. And on occasion, by the way, I do, I do need to be fair. It's not all working, working for this government agency and working for Congressman Jerkwater 
once they get old enough, generally 40s and 50s, they will be generous enough to outsource their immense talents to Wall Street or college campuses where they are paid millions of dollars to give speeches about the real world they know nothing about. That's who runs your nation. Why is all this going hilariously wrong? Why in the world would you... You pulled all of our troops out before you pulled out the 10,000 American citizens? Actually, it's 11,000 I'm looking at here. How could you screw that up? I just explained to you how they screwed that up. They don't live in the real world. I told you I had a guy come on... My television show, uh, James Carafano, he's a lieutenant colonel. He's one of these inside government guys. He said, look, I've got all the sources. They flat out told me. They thought the Taliban would be grateful enough about us leaving that they would give our, our people time to leave. Now, you hear that and you just pound your head against the desk and think to yourself, there's no way they could be that dumb. No, there is. There is. They've never experienced the real world. You have. You, you work in construction. You're a school teacher. You're a stay-at-home mom. You're a lawyer. You're an accountant. You, you have more real-world experience than anybody who runs the United States of America. Why do you think I've been so loudly encouraging you to run for office? You're better than these people. Better than these people. They don't know what they're doing. And so Joe Biden, Joe Biden because he's not a functional adult, uh, people were searching for the adult in the room. Why do you think Justin Trudeau called Hillary Clinton? This is what you call a group effort running the United States of America right now. And Joe Biden did sit down with George Stephanopoulos, gave a little interview, and just, you're going to want to sit right there for just a moment and listen to this. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not even close to done. We also have palace intrigue going on in the United States. Look, if I sound excited, it's because I'm excited. If everything sucks, then you and I are going to sit here and we're going to have fun throughout it all, okay? And if Democrats are tearing each other apart and knifing each other in the back as the world burns, you and I are going to be bad enough to take pleasure in it. That's who we are. But the president, no, he didn't take questions today. He didn't take questions from the press pool at all. He he sat down with George Stephanopoulos. George Stephanopoulos is a former Democrat staffer. But you know what? I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to set all this aside. He did take the time to sit down with George Stephanopoulos. Stephanopoulos did manage to ask a question or two pretty direct of Joe Biden because the whole world would like to know his thoughts. And this is a bit of a longer clip. Listen to your president. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the, when the Taliban, uh, let me back it, put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw the significant collapse of the, of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them. Just Pause for one second, quick. Chris. I'm sorry. Um, remember, the leader of the government going to another country. I just thought we should probably mention that briefly here because we're not going to gloss over that on the show. The president of 
Afghanistan? Well, I should. Let's be clear here. Former president of Afghanistan. I don't think he's getting reelected next year. He not only took off to Dubai, you know, Dubai, that absurdly, like, it almost looks like a space age looking city. It's made of money. It has all the tallest skyscrapers. I think they did some tennis match at 2,000 feet or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, their president of Afghanistan not only took off to Dubai, he is going to reside there with $169 million in bags. American money. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. Continue with the interview with our president. Thousand of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off. That was, you know, I'm not. This is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago. Five days ago. What did you think when you first saw this? <laughs> it was two days ago. <laughs> that the president of the united states uh mr president you did see uh people clinging to a c-17 and then plunging to their death and splattering all over the runway below what are your thoughts oh that was four or five days ago i didn't know we were bringing up old stuff (laughs) gosh oh jeez and remember as soon as he got done with this press conference today where he just got up and scolded everybody about masks. As soon as he got done with his press conference today, he went back to Delaware for the weekend. He took off back home for the weekend. No, no questions. Look, everything seems to be pretty in order here. I'm going to go back and grab some R&R. I think I've earned it. That's what, that's what we have. All right. That's enough of this. I'll get to the palace intrigue in a moment, and I will. It's time to offend everybody. This is the 101st anniversary of the 19th Amendment today. Okay? I'm not going to be as wildly offensive as you think I'm going to be. I'm just going to say this. If you have a social media account, I want you to go there right now. As long as you're not driving. If you don't have one, don't start one. Please, don't start one. There's no need to start one. But if you have one, I want you to go there right now. I want you to scroll down through it, and I want you to see what various ladies on the left and the right are saying about all the people in Afghanistan right now who are going through it. Allow me to burst your bubble in case you haven't already gone there. You know what I'm seeing right now? Oh, I can't believe this. Oh, look at all those women and children. Look at, we need to bring all these people here. We, could, they, I can't believe we left them there. We need to bring everybody here. That everyone need, can they come here? We'll get them blankets. Can we get, can we get them blankets? I'll make them all banana bread. This is why we are in so much trouble as a nation. Because we are a nation run entirely by emotions. You don't throw open the doors to your nation. And allow thousands, in fact, tens of thousands, if the numbers are to to be believed right now, you don't allow tens of thousands of people with no familiarity and no loyalty to your culture to flood into your nation because you saw sad pictures on the internet. I cannot stress this enough. I know I'm the jerk. I get that. I know I'm a sociopath. I've never told you I was anything other than that. I know I'm a bad person. I know. However, 
I'm trying to protect America. We cannot be the United States of emotion. We can't be. We have got to lay down this overly emotional, whiny way we run this country, no logic whatsoever, all based on fear and protection, and I'm not sure. Oh, no. Uh, Coronavirus. Somebody bring Bryson home so I can put him in a bubble. Oh, there's something really bad is going on in Afghanistan. You know what? Let's bring them all here to America. Stop. We have a nation to protect. Stop. Calm down. We have a nation to protect. Our nation matters too. We can't run this country by emotion any longer. Quite literally, if you look at the national debt, we can't afford it. We cannot afford to run this country by how you feel. It is why I have said it before. I maintain it now. I will never change my opinion on this. The photograph is the most destructive invention in the history of mankind. The photograph. People used to get telegrams and they would read about, oh man, things are getting bad in Afghanistan. Looks like three people died on Main Street. Okay, let's, uh, maybe we should do, well, I guess it's not really our problem. That used to be the thing. Now, you have half the voters in America scrolling through Facebook looking at pictures of kids who are bleeding. Now you're the United States of emotion. Uh, we have to do something. Uh, I saw people dying in a hospital in Italy. Let's everybody go home. Just stop the economy. I'm scared. We can't do this anymore. I, if I have to see anybody else on the right do this, I expect this out of the communists who hate the country anyway. If I have to see any more of this from the right, I am going to lose my mind. We cannot be the United States of emotions. We can't. It's time for logic. It's time for sober reasoning. Not because we're mean. Not because we lack a heart or lack mercy or lack compassion. Yeah, that's good that you have those things. It's good that you look at a picture and say, that's sad. I want to do something. That's fine. It's not fine when you demand government action. Because this demand for government action is already going to flood the country with more people who don't share our values. We can't do this. Yes, there are absolutely people there who we've been working with for two decades, who are running for their lives right now, who we should snatch up and bring in. in. Of course, of course. But this, oh, look at those scared people outside of the airport. You know what? Let them in. I'll quilt them all something. We've got to stop. I can't take it anymore. I cannot take watching this country run by emotions anymore. And no, I'm not even done on this yet. I'm not. We have got to stop this madness. It's going to be worse than you can imagine in the coming days. Either turn off social media or buck up, buttercup, because what you're experiencing now is nothing new. This is the history of the world. You just get to read about it on Twitter now. I'm not finished. I'll be right back on that. But first and foremost, how long have you and I talked about being more purposeful with our money? We talk about it all the time. How long, how long have you heard me rant about this corporation or that corporation running this ad campaign to trash your values or that kneeling for the flag and trashing your country? Okay. You've stopped supporting them. Good. 
Who are you supporting instead? My pillow is still out there. Mike Lindell at my pillow. They're still out there every single day fighting for election integrity, fighting for the issues that matter for you, and they're taking it on the chin business-wise for you. And right now, they're offering the sale of the year on their Giza Dream Sheets. You've heard me talk about the Giza Dream Sheets forever. Go get some. They're half off. They're 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com. That's MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials and use the promo code JESSE for 50% off. That's MyPillow.com. Promo code JESSE. Get 50% off. Go now. The talk radio revolution. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I know I shouldn't be enjoying it. I know. You shouldn't be enjoying it either. Don't be a bad person. But look, we have to have these talks, don't we? This is it's the truth. Look, you thought you thought it was just the Hillary Clinton. Remember when Hillary Clinton came out? Remember when Hillary came out when she was asked about Benghazi? I mean, we just left our ambassador and all our people there, and they got slaughtered by those barbarians, and Hillary's asked about it. This was her response. The fact is, we had four dead Americans. Was it because of a protest, or was it because of guys out for a walk one night who decided they'd go kill some Americans? What difference at this point does it make? <laughs> that's, that's how these people think. And that was, that was Hillary. Joe Biden, well, I mean, Joe Biden, he gave the answer of answers when asked, uh, Joe, Mr. President, we've got, we've got people, they're falling off of planes, Joe. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Here was, here was your president. And taking off. That was, you know, I'm not, this is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think? <laughs> Come on. That was four or five days ago. Uh, all right. I already offended everybody with the 19th Amendment thing. But look, whatever you think, I'm, I'm serious about it. We have got to stop being run by emotions. We've got to stop being run by, by sad pictures and sad videos. And look, I'll take some phone calls tonight. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. I need you to hear me on something, though. And I, and I mean this. I tr- I've been trying to warn you repeatedly. You're going to see really, really, really ugly things online taking place in Afghanistan in the coming weeks. One, the Taliban are busy taking over everything they possibly can. They're going to put in Sharia law. They're going to treat women like cattle. They're going to torture and execute people who are working with us. That's a fact. That's actually the first phase. Second phase is there's going to be a civil war in Afghanistan. The Northern Alliance. Remember my buddy Drew Berquist came on? That was last night, I think it was. Counterterrorism guy Drew Berquist came on. And he said, look, there's an extremely powerful opposing force still in Afghanistan. This thing is not over. There's going to be a war. So on top of all the atrocities you're about to witness, you're about to witness a civil war. And all kinds of atrocities end up coming with a civil war. You know that. You're going to see whole villages massacred. And here's the thing. I I need you to hear me here. You're going to see it. You're going to hear it. Thankfully, you're not going to smell it unless you're there. But and I mean that you don't you don't want those kind of smells in your memory bank. Trust me on that. But you're going to hear it. You're going to see it. This is not, however, 
unique. It doesn't mean we need to do some massive action on the part of America and bring in all the refugees. Let's save everyone. What's happening right now, that's how the world actually works. You and I as Americans have never been introduced to how the world actually works. Here we are planted in between two beautiful oceans. We have nothing but allies to our north and to our south, and we have the most powerful navy in the world. We don't experience things like that. However, all of the world has, and the history of the world is what's happening in Afghanistan. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a heart for those people and pray for them. I'm sure there will be charitable groups. Be careful about the charitable groups, I should say. I worked in the nonprofit world for about 30 seconds, and I did not like what I saw, so be real careful. If I ever, You've never heard me give a charity out on the or I should say rarely. I have once or twice. I don't give out charities on this show unless I know beyond the shadow of a doubt it is the cleanest, most well-run thing in the world. So be careful when they, when they hold up the picture of the bleeding Afghani child and they say, help us, help us over here at Kelly's Kids. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna help all these Afghanistan kids for the low, low price of fifty dollars a month. You can help this sweet boy. Stop! Don't let them play you. Don't let them play your emotions. We will give you whatever charities we've been able to vet here on the show. I know you want to help. I'm not telling you to be like me. You don't want to be like me. You want to have a heart. You want to have that compassion. You want to have that mercy. You want to be like you. We can't run the country on it, though. You don't run the country on emotion. You don't run a company on emotion. You don't run things on emotion. Emotions are a luxury. We don't have that luxury anymore. Now, I have to speak personally here for a moment, and I don't love doing this, but I've got I've to level with you about something. And yes, I'm going to get to the palace intrigue because there's great Biden-Kamala Harris palace intrigue. I'll get to that in just a minute. A lot of people I know fought in Afghanistan. A lot of people you know fought in Afghanistan. Maybe you personally did. Maybe a relative did. Maybe you lost someone there. Maybe you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're looking down and you don't have legs anymore because of Afghanistan. I understand that. I understand because of the reach of the show and and the kind of audience I have, the chances of that... The chances of someone hearing my voice right now is pretty strong, pretty strong, okay? And I also know this. I have swapped enough text messages and phone calls in the past two or three days with my Afghanistan brothers, and they are hurting, to say the least. And I do mean hurting. They feel confused. They feel, ultimately, what they feel is betrayed. They feel anger. They feel depression. I understand all this. But I'm going to tell you a little story, okay? I'm going to tell you a story about me and a friend of mine about Iraq. And I'm not saying it's going to make you feel better. But I am saying it would probably be good for you to hear. It would probably be good for you to hear it. So if you're going through this, hear me. I'm about to level with you about me and, more frankly, about a buddy of mine. Are you ready for this? Hang on a sec. 
It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I can't wait. I'm going to get to the palace intrigue between Kamala and Biden in a second. I'm going to walk you through the timeline of what we know, and it's really, really good, but you're just going to have to bear with me for a moment. I feel I feel obligated to do this. All right. I've talked to enough of my Afghanistan veteran buddies in the past couple of days. I did not serve in Afghanistan. I served in Iraq, so that's not my war. I don't know anything about it. It's not, it's not my war. I've spoken to enough of my buddies, uh, Marines, Green Berets, SEALs, and whatnot. They are emotionally not doing great right now. Not at all. I'm going to tell you just see if I could help you guys out for a moment. Maybe it won't help at all. I'm not exactly great at comforting people. Oftentimes when I attempt to comfort people, I actually make things worse. In fact, you know what? I have a really funny story about making things worse, but I'll get to that in just a minute. First and foremost, here's a little story I went through. 877-377-4373 is the phone number, by the way. I will take some calls tonight. 877-377-4373. And you are more than welcome to call in anybody, but if you're one of these guys, if you're hurting, feel free to call. It's fine. It's fine. We just got back from Iraq. This is back in 04. I was there for the Iraq invasion. I was, you know, Marine Corps Infantry Unit, 1st Battalion, 7th Marines Alpha Company, Weapons Platoon. Got back from Iraq. I was scheduled, most of us, most of the guys I came in with, well, I guess this makes sense. We came in together and most of us were scheduled to get out at close to the same time. Anyway, some was June, some was July, August, September, but we were all like right in there. We were kind of that class that came out together. And so we get back and we are busy getting processed out. It's actually a lot longer, longer process than you think to get out. You have to go turn in this piece of gear and turn in that piece of gear. And, oh, there's a scratch on this piece of gear. Looks like we're going to charge you for that. And you have to go get your medical stuff done. And you have to, it's a long process to get out. But it's also your easiest time in. There's no more morning PT. There's no more PT's exercise. There's no more morning PT. There's no more anything. Your day consists of just bouncing around to the various places on base, making sure Uncle Sam has signed off on you and checked you off and letting you go. It's also a time when you're spending you're spending a lot more time with your buddies, just leisure time than you normally got, which we were already very, very close anyway, very close. And one of my buddies, uh, obviously I cannot tell you his name. I didn't get in, I didn't get permission to say this story because I didn't plan on saying it, so I can't tell you his name, but one of my buddies and I, he was one of our scout snipers. He, we were very close. We were very close. He's one of my close buddies. And... One night we decided, as Marines often do, one night we decided we were going to go ahead and get quite a few beers in our barracks room. Nothing major, nothing important, not going out on the town. We were just going to have a few beers and kind of just talk about everything because we were still pretty angry young men, fresh back from Iraq. You know, just Let's just talk about everything. And I and a bunch of my buddies had already gotten to the point where we – had accepted that that not necessarily that the war was bad. I'm not going to say that we did. We weren't one of the, we weren't these anti-war people. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like that, but we also had accepted maybe maybe this wasn't all done for the right reasons. I mean, it hit us right between the eyes when we were told. I've told you this before when we were invading Iraq and they made us take down our American flags. 
that one that was really our first kind of open our, our first image behind the curtain of wait a minute what is this crap are we here for America or not what is this crap so a bunch of my buddies and I had already accepted okay we went over there we fought people died things happened it's war people got killed maybe not maybe didn't turn out to be how it should turn out to be but let's let's just move on with our lives we'd made peace with that we'd made peace with it well hey i went over there did what i had to do uh, i can't help i wasn't in control i ain't the president i wasn't the generals i i didn't control any of that he had not gotten to that point yet and we were having a long heart to heart this night as men often do after one too many beers we were having a long heart-to-heart this night, and he began to tell us about uh, somebody he had killed. Somebody he had killed. And it was one of those situations. I'm not going to go into all the details of it in case he's listening or something like that. I don't want to make him relive it in case he's going through all this right now. It was one of those situations where war is messy and war is confusing. And uh, my veteran buddies listening to me right now will understand it's not like the movies. You know, there's the big, there's the bad guys, and we're the good guys, and you can tell the bad guys because they all wear the same uniform, and they're all really, really ugly. But us good guys, we all have perfect teeth and say yes, ma'am, and no, sir. And we even look like good guys, and they look like bad guys. Right? That's the Hollywood version of it. In real life, in war, it's very, very messy. Sometimes you can't tell good or bad. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you're not sure. And we were there at a time when we were actually, uh, now uh, this is not to minimize anything else, but we had already declared war and they hadn't, they hadn't declared victory yet. So when I was there, it was a time when it was called kill everything. When I, when I say everything, I mean, no matter what, if it had a weapon, it died, period. Because we were at war, you didn't take any chances, you killed something. You killed everything you saw. He'd killed somebody. It had been bothering him a great deal. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but again, he's a scout sniper. He's looking through the scope. He is seeing this guy's facial expressions, and he puts somebody down and still wasn't sure if it was a bad guy or not. Definitely had a weapon. He was totally justified. By the way, he, he had reported all of it and whatnot. He was totally in the clear, so there's no scandal here. But in his mind... He still didn't know if he'd killed a bad guy or not. And contrary to what the media wants you to believe, American troops really just want to kill bad guys. We want to help innocent people and kill bad guys. I've seen hardened Marines help little girls up after they tripped before. I mean, it's just it's the way it goes. He had never made peace with it, you could tell. And we had a long conversation that night about the war itself and, and how just it was and whatnot. And there was a moment that night, I'll never forget it, where... His eyes filled up with tears, and this is not a man who cries, okay? His eyes filled up with tears, and we got him calmed down and asked him what was wrong, and it had just hit him in that moment that, okay, not only am I not sure about this one guy I killed, whether it was even right or not, now I've just come to the realization that this all was a bunch of crap, and now I fought over there and did terrible things over there, and now... Now it wasn't for anything. I will just tell you if you're hurting out there what we told him. 
All right, I can't make it better. I can't make the presidents better. I can't make the generals better. I can't make all that go away. What you did, what you did was still awesome. It was awesome. If you lost a loved one, what your loved one did was awesome and unique. And one of, one of the great honorable things you can do on behalf of your brothers and your nation. If the nation itself, if the leadership of the nation itself did wrong, that doesn't fall on you. None of that falls on you. You're not running anything. It doesn't minimize your sacrifice at all. You can be mad at Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, George Bush, any one of the loser generals we have. All that's fine. But none of that, absolutely none of it, not even a little bit, falls on you. What you did was awesome. What your buddies did was awesome. What you saw and went through was terrible, and nobody will ever understand it unless they were there and they smelled it and they heard it and they saw it, and that's okay. But don't think it was all a waste. Don't think it was all for nothing because some scumbag politician managed to screw the whole thing up. All right? That's the best way I can level it for you. All right, we got palace intrigue. I'll take some phone calls. 877-377-4373, or you can email us, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. But first and foremost, let me tell you a little story here. Husband and wife driving home from work. Driving home from dinner, I'm sorry. It's night, it's dark. They get stopped at a red light, and their vehicle gets swarmed. This is apparently a thing that our society does fairly often now, which is just terrible. They swarm cars. You just recently saw that video. Actually, I hope you didn't in Chicago where they pulled some couple out of their car at a red light, shot them both in the head and killed them. This couple got swarmed too. They did get the door open. They were pulling the husband out of the driver's side of the car, wife screaming and crying. He manages to get his hands on his Hero 2020 non-lethal weapon, though. He manages to shoot his attacker twice in the chest. It fills up his face with this horrible chemical pepper irritant that's just debilitating. They're forced to back off. Husband and wife back in their car drove home safe that night. Go to Hero2020.com right now and use the coupon code Kelly and get one. I have one. Hero2020.com, coupon code Kelly. State law restrictions may apply. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Coming up about 10 minutes from now, we have Libby Emmons coming on the show. If you don't know Libby, she is all over stuff. And I mean, one of these people, she's just all over it. She has something interesting to say about vaccine passports and Joe Biden and their plans. If you're concerned about all the vaccine passport stuff, you might want to hang on for Libby. She's coming up about 10 minutes from now. Now, palace intrigue. There's something going on in the White House. First and foremost, I want to remind you at the very beginning of the Afghanistan stuff and the Afghanistan decision, I want to remind you what Vice President Kamala Harris said when she was asked about the pullout. President Biden always said that he wants you to be the last person in yeah. the room, particularly for big decisions, just as he was for President yeah. Obama. He just made a really big decision. Afghanistan. Yes. 
Were you the last person in the room? Yes. And you feel comfortable? I do. And, and, I, and I'm going to add to that. This is a president who has an extraordinary amount of courage. He is someone who I have seen over and over again make decisions based on what he truly believes, based on his years of doing this work and studying these issues. Oh, the sound of that woman's voice. All right, we're going to set that aside. But you just heard what she said. All right, when the decision was made to pull out, and who knows more about that? You know what? I'm not going into that. What, Chris? I'm not going into that right now. When the decision was made to pull out and pull out early, Kamala Harris was the one, last one in the room. You just heard, right? Well, then Afghanistan fell apart. And you have to understand something else. These two hate each other, remember. I know you know, but these two despise each other. Joe Biden hates Kamala Harris. This is a personal rift. You will probably remember during the presidential debates when Joe, when Kamala Harris decided I mean, she was nothing at the time either. She had no chance of winning. It wasn't between her at all. It was you know between Bernie and Biden and and maybe Butt Gig or whatever was going to was going to make a run at it. But Harris had no chance, and she took her position of no chance and almost oddly just decided to slip a knife into Joe Biden's ribs and accuse him of being a racist on the debate stage. And it was it was it was. I mean, it was marvelously entertaining because it's not my party and I don't care about it. But if I was a Democrat, well, I'd hate myself. But if I was a Democrat, I would have watched that and said, oh, that is so out of line. It was. It, it was oddly out of line. Well, these people are people. They're not sociopaths. Well, I take that back. They are sociopaths. But they're still people, right? And they all have huge egos. Huge egos. And who knows more about that than me? They have gigantic egos. Joe Biden, and especially Jill Biden, they took that really, really personally, and they never let it go. So I know know what you're saying. Jesse, well, why is she vice president then? She's vice president because the Democratic Party is now run by insane people, and Joe Biden, in an effort to get the woman vote, which the Democrats get every time, sadly— and in order to also get the black vote, Joe Biden went out there. Remember, he made a campaign promise. My vice president is going to be a woman. A, 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 not just a woman, a, a woman of color. You know, they're trying to check as many of those woke boxes as possible. Well, that pretty much leaves you with Kamala Harris, right? Leaves you with Kamala Harris. So he had to tap Harris. Grow up, Chris. He had to tap Harris to be his VP. They still hate each other. That hate doesn't go away. It's not like they're the first president-vice president combo who've hated each other. It's not unprecedented. There's something else you have to get. Yes, Joe Biden's half-functional. We've already talked about that in the show. Kamala Harris, she's one of those people who will do anything to succeed. That's why her career began the way it did with Willie Brown. It's why she says and does and everything. She'll take every position on an issue. It's why she don't don't be don't be immature right now, Chris. When I say things like take every position, please. It's why when she was when she was you know in in charge of California, well California's AG. It's why she was known as just absolute hard charging cop. Then she gets elected to the Senate, promptly turns around and races in the other direction. She's she's the most left wing senator. This is a woman who doesn't believe in anything. This is a woman who, who will do anything and anyone to get ahead. 
Kamala Harris is not going to allow Joe Biden's incompetence to sink what she wants most. What does she want most? She wants to sit in that Oval Office. And believe me when I tell you, she will do anything to sit in that Oval Office. She does. That's that's real. She does. So Joe Biden has this on his hands, this Afghanistan thing. And this is, I tried to explain earlier in the show, if you missed any of it, it's all on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. The whole show's podcasted when it's done. This is the biggest foreign policy disaster in America since Vietnam. It's not even close. And it's not even close to done. That's the thing. It's not like it's reached its crescendo here. Kamala Harris, she doesn't want any part of it. When Joe Biden gave that speech the other day, I think it was two days ago, he asked Kamala Harris to stand beside him. She refused to stand beside him. She didn't want the optics of being being told to stand by Joe Biden. They're ranting at each other behind the scenes. Joe Biden is reaching for a lifeline. Kamala Harris, she's slapping his hand away. Joe Biden's in the middle of the pool drowning, reaching for a life raft. Kamala Harris threw him a cinder block. And this is my favorite part of it. Kamala Harris had plans. She already had plans to go to Vietnam. She's doing some Asian thing. She's going to Saigon and whatnot. We are in the middle of the worst foreign policy disaster in half a century. Kamala Harris isn't changing her plans. She's still leaving the country. Now she's not. That's what makes it the best. Not only is she leaving the country, she's actually going to the continent where all this is going on and still avoiding that situation. (laughs) I love it. Oh, come on. We can laugh about it. What I'm saying to you is this. This palace intrigue stuff is very, very, very real. This Biden-Harris rift is very, very, very real. And especially in the ne- in the last few days, the rift has gotten deeper and deeper and deeper. It is at a, it is at a point now, not that there's any chance Joe Biden can even stand for re-election. I don't know if he can stand, period. But it's at a point now she would not be his VP again. It's that bad. And it's really bad when they dump VPs in the middle of the term. Really bad. This situation is so bad, I could see Kamala Harris not lasting the four years. It's that bad. It's that bad. I, I Joe Biden, obviously, no one thinks he's going to last the four years. Who knows what we're going to have by the time these two are done. Just know they're going to continue to snipe at each other and rip each other apart and feed stories to their friends in the media who, that are negative about each other. And what should you and I do about that? We should sit back and laugh and enjoy every minute of it because it's marvelous. All right. Vaccine passports. Joe Biden had a lot to say about vaccines today. Libby Emmons thinks he's about to pull something with that. We'll find out what that is in just a second. Hang on. That song's a little dark, isn't it? Did Libby pick that song? Good grief. Joining me now with the post-millennial Libby Emmons. Uh, Libby, that song is a little heavy. Good grief. Are you having a rough night? Oh, you know, I actually am having a rough night. Uh, I was just on the subway trying to get home so that I could talk to you somewhere quiet, in fact. And a crazy man wielding a knife got on the subway. And then 12 police officers took 25 minutes to subdue him. And they kept running back and forth through all the train cars. 
saying, uh, which way did he go? They actually said that, which way did he go, until they finally got him. And the guy was running through the subway tunnels on either side of the train, uh, smashing up against the windows and trying to get in. Okay, so that yeah. that is awesome. <laughs> Libby, <laughs> what was your plan of attack if he had gotten into the subway? Did you have a purse? I have no doubt you have a purse of some kind. What, what was the plan? Give me the plan. You know, I actually did consider hitting him with my handbag, but I like my handbag really quite a bit, and I didn't want it to get splashed. Uh, so that was definitely off the table. My plan was to say, what the hell is the matter with you guys? You know, get off the train. Stop being a lunatic. Grow up. I just want to clarify here, because it is the anniversary of the 19th Amendment, you were going to get stabbed yourself in order to save your (laughs) handbag. Do I have that right? Uh, Probably not. But there was a guy on the train who was saying that he had pepper spray. Another guy pulled out his own knife, and someone else said that he had a taser. So, uh, you know, maybe chivalry is not entirely dead in New York City. Daggone, I got to get back to the city. That is awesome. Anyway, all right. Right. (laughs) And then the yuppies started taking shots. So that was But it did result in a certain point, a bunch of people just said, f*** this, oh, excuse me, and took off their masks. So that that was a moderate triumph, I thought. Oh, well, there you go. At least they took off their masks. Now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Let's focus on the task at hand. Libby, as everybody knows, Libby writes for the Post Millennial, writes great stuff there. And you wrote something about Biden and the vaccine passports. Now, everyone has seen New York has put this thing into effect. Inspections begin September 13th, but it is already in effect. No eating, no concerts, no cabarets, no nothing for you unless you have your passport. What's Joe Biden floating out there? What was that? What's Joe Biden doing? Yes. What's well, he floating out he there? He is. Uh, he seems to be proposing that uh, everyone should get vaccinated, and if not, they should be punished as well. The CDC came out today and said that we're all going to need booster shots and that they're going to start rolling those out on September 20th for anybody who's been vaccinated for more than eight months. They were asked, actually, by a journalist uh, from CNN, who the network seems to vaguely be waking up from their slumber the past, you know, uh, since January, um, they were asked uh, what that meant in terms of future booster shots. Did this mean one booster shot? Were there going to be more? What was the what was the situation with that? The CDC, uh, the Surgeon General, avoided that question, just completely sidestepped it. And another reporter later um, asked uh, what the efficacy of these third booster shots was going to be. And again, the CDC did not give any indication. It seems definite, however, that this administration is going to turn us all into lifelong medical patients, whether we want that or not. Biden already has said as part of his massive infrastructure plan that he wants to create a federal office. What do you call it? ARPA H. He wants to create a federal office uh, agency that will conduct medical research, which in essence, would make it a lot less competitive for the pharmaceutical companies, uh, which I think is is that competition, that free market that they've had is why we have so many medications in the first place. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to understand where the booster shot thing came from. I mean, look, I, I, I feel like I have a good grasp on the game anyway. It's all about control and profit at this point in time. But what are they saying? Why do we need, well, uh, well, whoever got vaccinated, why do the people who got vaccinated, why do they need booster shots? Libby, I'd love to know how they're selling this. 
Well, Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, and our favorite guy, Anthony Fauci, Mm -hmm. both presented the science of that today, saying that the efficacy of the initial shots had gone down. There was a study that was done in New York that showed it had gone down to like from like 80%, uh, I think, to something like 70%. And then also the Mayo Clinic had done a study showing that efficacy had gone down to like 42%, if I'm remembering my figures correctly. Um, so that's what they're saying. They're saying that as time goes on, the shots become less effective. And especially, they started out five days ago saying that it was just people who are immunocompromised who should line up for these boosters. And then they were saying today that it should be everybody who's been vaccinated. What I'm interested to know is what does that mean for these people who are ponying up their identification along with their, uh, you know, vaccine passports? Does that mean that eight months from the date of those passports, they're going to expire and they're going to have to get new booster shots or they're not going to be able to eat out either? What's that, what's that going to look like? How long can they really force us undergo these treatments. Libby, you are in the belly of the beast in New York City, a place I have been very honest about that I dearly, dearly love, and I hate what they've done to the city. How's the vaccine passport going over there? Because they have a legitimate one. You can't live life without that daggone vaccine. How's that going over? Right. Uh, Everyone's just doing it, Jesse. I got to say, everyone's just sucking it up, turning over their civil liberties and doing it. And when I've posted on Facebook, course, I can't actually go anywhere because even though I'm vaccinated, I'm, I'm not going to show my papers to go eat sushi somewhere. Uh, so everyone who's, you know, I've talked to about on Facebook, people that I know, uh, they, they are saying that I am the problem, that I am this anti-vaxxer issue uh, and that we should all just suck it up and that the greater good is way more important than anybody's individual rights, which as we know from our nation's history, is exactly the opposite of the truth. What's most paramount is individual liberty. And without individual liberty, there's no liberty at all. Libby, what's the best thing you have ever eaten in New York City? Does not have to be fancy. Does not have to be fancy. (laughs) Uh, There's so many great restaurants here. Not that I will ever get to eat in them ever again. Mm -hmm. But one of the best things that I will say that we have is the, the, the basic corner slice of Neapolitan pizza thin crust. It's a dollar and a half. Uh, it's perfect at 4 a.m. when you've had too much to drink. It's really spectacular. Oh God, that sounds good. Okay. What, what do we know as far as how far the federal government can push this passport stuff? Obviously, if they had the power to, they would just wave a wand and say, everyone get this now or you'll go to the electric chair. They can't do that. What can they do federally? Well, they've been talking about this since March when it first came up. And the White House in various briefings, Jen Psaki, the press secretary, has said repeatedly that the White House and the federal government will not be creating one national vaccine credential. They did say, however, and again, repeatedly, that they would work with businesses to create any kind of credential that those businesses felt was appropriate. And Biden himself has lauded the uh, vaccine passport program. He said it was a great idea, the one that we have here in New York. I think also San Francisco and New Orleans are the other really stupid cities that have gone along with this garbage. Um, But I don't, you know, it's interesting. If they could make a national vaccine credential, I think they would do it. There was also briefly, there was an AP article 
uh, that maybe was last week. I don't remember exactly, but it noted that the administration might be interested in restricting interstate travel and having, you know, rules about only vaccine vaccinated people who are willing to present their papers can go across state lines. This was definitely a May sort of thing. Um, the AP said that because this was such a controversial issue, that that's why the administration hadn't launched this idea yet. But that's actually a pretty scary concept. And I know that I think it was like in 41, 1941, the Supreme Court said that California could not prevent the Okies from migrating to California for any reason, that the state itself didn't have that kind of control. So I wonder what those kind of precedents would mean well. as far as, Plus, and it's stupid. I mean, the federal yeah. government doesn't have the right to tell us we can't wander about the country, for God's sake. No, they sure don't. Libby Evans, go, ring all, go read all of her stuff on the post-millennial. Happy anniversary of the 19th anniversary, Libby. I appreciate you. Thanks so much, Jesse. Bye. All right. Oxford Gold Group. I keep trying to explain this to you in the, in the most cal- calm way humanly possible. Your dollar, tomorrow it's going to be less worth less than it is today. And the day after that and the day after that. And there's no plan for the federal government to rein this inflation problem in. Even the people who lie for a living aren't lying to you. They're saying inflation's going to keep going up. Get some gold from Oxford Gold Group today. It has to be part of the things you own. It has to be. They will deliver it to your front door. Real gold, not a piece of paper saying, oh, we've got some gold for you somewhere. Trust me, wink, wink. No, 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 no. Gold you hold in your hand. And I know these people. They have a great reputation for a reason. 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. Tell them Jesse told you to call. Call Oxford Gold Group today. Smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Who is that? What is that music? What is Arctic Monkeys? That's the name of the band? That actually wasn't terrible. That is a terrible. Turn that back on. I want some more of that. Turn that back on. Beth? All right, 877-377-4373. I'm going to take a couple calls, and then I'll get to the worst time I ever put my foot in my mouth with my wife. We'll also make fun of feminists and everything else. But for now, let's go to Dave in Centennial, Colorado. Dave, go. Hey, Jesse, just wanted to hit on a couple things here regarding Afghanistan. Uh, you know, I, I just counted 24 days to September 11th and it bothers me that maybe that's a factor in this push to get out. Our people are caught behind, you know, the lines right now and why, you know, wintertime, I'd heard it either here or on Hannity a couple days back about wintertime would have been a smarter time moment place with our gear that's, you know, made for winter to leave Afghanistan give the forces a couple months of uh, winter help. 
Yeah, look, by the way, yeah, I hung up. But but yeah, I, I see his point is well taken. His point is well taken. Did September 11th have something to do with it? Of course it did. These people are all about optics. Remember the three things. We've, we've been talking about the three things a lot recently, haven't we? Three things all these people have in common. The three things all the communists who run your government have in common. What are they? Everyone knows them by now. One, no love of country. Oftentimes it's hatred of country, but no love of country. Therefore, if you and I were talking about when's best to pull out of Afghanistan, what what would be best for America and Americans would be at the forefront of our mind. At the forefront of our mind, of course, it's of course it's America, right? It's the place we love. It doesn't even enter their mind. It's not one. It's not something they consider at all. All right, Izzy in Boulder, go. Yeah, I was wondering where the Supreme Court is on all this. Um, first, with the vaccine, and I don't know why they backed down, but you know they got one job. That's to protect the Constitution and protect people against the Constitution. Two. <clears throat> How much money is Joe Biden's administration taking for all these bad deals in the United States? I started wondering, why all of a sudden are we making all these bad deals getting out of Afghanistan? Did the Taliban pay them off? I mean, who's paying these guys? Look at, uh, you know, Hunter Biden. I mean, are these guys taking on the, on the side to make these real bad deals, given, you know, Russia, oil? You know? Yeah, I think we got the point there. Anyway, look. You know, you know what? Actually, I take that back. No more phone calls. No more phone calls. No more phone calls today. No more phone calls tomorrow. You know what? There's no more phone calls this week. You don't even bother calling in. That was the last phone call this week. Everyone's on suspension. Everyone has been suspended from calling into the show. I don't know if we can block the number or what. You can call all you want. You're going to sit on hold the whole show. There's no more phone calls to the Jesse Kelly Show. We're moving on to some emails here, and then I'll get to my embarrassing story in a moment. Remember, you can email us anything you want, though. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All your emails go right to Chris. He prints them out for me. I read every single one. Dr. Jesse, my nephew and his wife have a nine-year-old son, Braden. Of course, every nine-year-old in the country is named Braden. Every decision their family makes is, well, I'm, I'm sorry, that's actually not fair. They're not all named Braden. Some of them are named Jaden. Others are named Aiden. But that's pretty much every name in the country. Anyway, every decision their family makes is subject to negotiation with their son. Oh, gosh. These negotiations typically center around understanding why their son feels the way he does. How is raising a son this way affect the way the son acts when he becomes adults? Well, you don't have to ask. You can see it. It's all over the place right now. It's everywhere you look. What is the one way you would define the younger generation now? And I mean, move beyond that. All young people are garbage stuff. Old people have been saying that forever. Moses was complaining about the next generation. These guys are never going to make it. That's not true at all. But what's one thing you hear about... Millennials now, you hear about it all the time. Oh, you have to treat them differently. Oh, do you have do you have do you have a crying room at the office? Sometimes they need to cry. Look, you as a manager, you need to reach out to them and make sure you find out how they're feeling. Well, yeah. Because this is the age, this is the era where parents 
They don't raise their kids. They don't train their children. They don't teach their children their place. They worship their children. They worship them. I love my little buddies. I would hang out with my sons all day, every day, if I if I didn't need money. Um, my sons don't make decisions on behalf of our household. Uh, never. Oh, but I don't. I don't feel like. Oh, I don't care about your feelings. You're ten. Sit down and shut up. You don't make decisions here. Now that it's not like we treat them like cattle. We'll ask them their opinion on things. Uh, what, 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 where should we eat for dinner? Everyone, everyone can have a vote, but uh, guess what? You're outvoted and we're going wherever I want. That's not because of cruelty. Learning your place in the world is a critical part of success in this life. The reason you have so many generations of people who act as if the world revolves around them because their parents raised them like the world revolved around them. You see this with only children all the time. Only children don't have any sense of them. And not all of them, obviously, but many only children don't have any sense of themselves. Why? Because the parents only had one. And so therefore they dumped all the love and all the attention on just that person. They never had to share. They never had to fight. They never had to do anything. And they grow up with this view of the world that everything revolves around me. Gosh, ask their son how he feels about it. Good grief. No wonder we're in this situation. I'll get to some more emails and the worst I've ever put my foot in my mouth. Next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the final hour, and it's going to be a great hour. I promised you the worst story, the worst I've ever put my foot in my mouth with the wife, and I realized I cheated everybody because I didn't ever play you the full clip of Joe Biden earlier today, and I didn't play it because we were talking all about Afghanistan and everything else, and Joe Biden got up, and he just spoke about coronavirus and mandates and stuff. It was the oddest thing. I mean, they're handling handling this thing so terribly. But I figure I might as well play for you the president of the United States of America threatening states. This is this is quite a tack to take. Unfortunately, as you've seen throughout this pandemic, some politicians are trying to turn public safety measures, that is children wearing masks in school, into political disputes for their own political gain. Some are even trying to take power away from local educators by banning masks in school. They're setting a dangerous tone. The intimidation and the threats we're seeing across the country are wrong. They're unacceptable. I've said before, this isn't about politics. It's about keeping our children safe. Pause for just a moment there, Chris. Pause that for just a moment. I want you to make sure you're always aware of this. I know you probably are because Obama did this for eight years. The communist loves doing this. They love acting like their policies, they have nothing to do with politics. It's just common sense. Everything their opponent does, they're being political. Obama was the master of this. We don't have to be political. Just pass everything I want to pass. And stop with this coronavirus isn't political thing. Yeah, it is. It's the very definition of political. One political party, especially, and the Republicans have sucked too, but one political party has chosen to use coronavirus 
as an excuse to slaughter the small businesses they hate so much, win the presidency, which they did, all the mail-in voting and all that other stuff. One political party has chosen to do everything they possibly can to take away my freedom to make my own medical decisions. That is the very definition of political. Stop telling me it's not political. Oh, it's not political. Just wear what I tell you to wear and inject yourself what I what I tell you with what I tell you to do. And your kids, your kids have to wear what I tell them to wear, and they have to. Don't tell me it's not political. You've taken this virus and tried to worm your way into every single part of my life. They've tried to worm their way into every single part of your life. Stop telling me it's not political. It's the definition of political. All right, go on, Chris. And that's why today I'm directing the Secretary of Education, an educator himself, to take additional steps to protect our children. This includes using all of his oversight authorities and legal action, if appropriate, against governors who are trying to block and intimidate local school officials and educators. And as I said before. Okay, so in the middle of the worst foreign policy disaster in half a century, Joe Biden steps up to the microphone, takes no questions about Afghanistan, doesn't talk about Afghanistan, instead issues a threat to the governors around the United States of America. Are you, do you still think I'm crazy about the whole country pulling apart thing? You still think I'm nuts? How long have I been telling you we're entering a new era, a new era of division? All right, it's time to have a chat. Time to have a serious chat about me. You see, I know you're going to find this surprising. I occasionally will say things that are inappropriate. I will say things at the wrong time, especially when dealing with any kind of emotions or sensitive situation. In an effort to say something nice, I will oftentimes say the worst thing humanly possible. And I did this with my wife once. This is now a famous story amongst family and friends. So I figure I might as well say it to you because I was laughing laughing about it earlier today and we might as well all come along with my pain and shame. Now, the wife is, as you know, a gymnast. She was on the Canadian national team. Don't judge me. She was born in America, okay? She's an American citizen. She was on the Canadian national team, University of Arizona, went to nationals. Like, I mean, she's really, really, really good. She, did, she, did, she didn't just show up. She was really, 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 really good at this. So she's an extremely fit woman. Always has been. Extremely fit. You've seen these gymnasts. She's a very fit woman. Washboard abs and all the works. But because she's a gymnast, and gymnasts monitor if they gain half a pound. I mean, they're just – it's – it's probably it probably gets to a really unhealthy level to be honest with you when they're competing, but they obsess over every pound, every everything. They just obsess over the whole thing. Pause for that. Just remember that. Put that put that take that and put that in your back pocket for a moment. That's who she is. She also apparently has some skin sensitivity. I forget what it's to. I think it's to nickel. Some kind of some kind of metal. She put some earrings in when she was a child. And it, it kind of messed up one of her earlobes. Now, you'd never be able to notice this if you saw her. It's just like this little line in her ear. But, of course, because she's a woman, it's a little detail that she considers a flaw. She thinks it's the end of the world, or at least she used to. She never brings it up anymore. 
Now, you remember that thing I told you to put in your back pocket a minute ago, the whole in-shape fit thing, washboard abs? Let's go ahead and pull that back out of your pocket. We're going back to that part of the story. We get married. I do my duty. She has a couple kids. What, Chris? What? I'm sorry I'm proud. Crank out a couple boys. The Kellys only make boys. Dad gone right. She gets done having kids and gets self-conscious about the fact she just had two kids. Doesn't look doesn't look like she was 18-year-old gymnast anymore, temporarily. You know, ladies, let me just clarify this. We men, we're thrilled you make us kids. We're not stressing the fact you don't look like you're 18 the day after you have kids. It's fine. It takes time. No worries. But she starts to stress about the fact she doesn't have a six-pack anymore. They're still washboard abs, but she's she she'll pinch like this tiny little bit. And say, oh, this is terrible. This is this is terrible. Look at me. Now, I know it's odd, Chris. I know it's the oddest thing. That's how she is. She's a perfectionist. So she starts to, <laughs> she starts to say, it's so dumb. She starts to say, I'm going to get a tummy tuck. Tummy tucks are for huge people. And look, I have no, I'm not judging you if you got a tummy tuck. But honestly, a tummy tuck doctor, doctor would have laughed her out of the office. He would have laughed her out of the office. He would, he would have thought someone was playing a practical joke on him. But it becomes something she becomes obsessed over. I'm trying to defend myself here. Listen, we're driving around, and we live in Texas, and Texas is one of those places where they have great medical laws here, meaning they're more lax, meaning doctors love to come here. There's a ton of doctors, doctors and nurses here. So there's always these cosmetic surgery places. And it becomes a half-running joke with my wife and I. We'll be driving around. She'll see a cosmetic surgery place and go, maybe I can get my tummy tucked there. And, and she's, she's serious, right? Maybe I'll get my tummy tucked there. Maybe this goes on for months and months and months. Again, there's no belly there. She thinks there is. Finally, we're in the bathroom one day. And she was putting in some earrings or whatnot. And she looks at her ear, the ear I told you that has a little line in it that always bothered her. And she looks in the mirror and says, you know, we have pretty good health insurance now. I was selling RVs at the time. and Actually, I had good, good health insurance when I did. She said, I, we have pretty good health insurance now. Maybe I should get my ear fixed. Well, without thinking about it, I was trying to be nice. Do you know what I said to her? I'll tell you in a second. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Are we playing DMX now? Look, okay. All right. Look, I'm hip, Chris. I'm what? I'm hip. I'll I'll rap. I'll rap with the best of them over here. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Let me finish my story. And then we'll get to this nobody likes the feminist stuff and all the Disney stuff and whatnot. She turns to me in the bathroom and says, we have good insurance now. I think I'll get my ear fixed. Without thinking, without thinking, and remember, I've been encouraging her that she looks fine and doesn't need it. Without thinking, I looked and said, well, why don't you get your tummy tuck first? Oh, I know, Chris. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. <sighs> See, this is why I'm not nice. Because I'm not good at it. I'm good at being a jerk. I'm terrible at being nice. Every time I try to be nice, I end up saying the wrong thing. I'm just bad at it. Let's get to some stories. 
A trip through hypersensitive space. Disney renames Boba Fett's ship to something woke. Uh, apparently, Boba Fett, well, not apparently, Boba Fett is a character on Star Wars. I've seen all the, star, well, most of them. I didn't watch the last couple because they sucked so bad. I've seen them. It's good. I don't understand the obsession with it, but they're good. Chris, have you seen Star Wars? You've never seen Star Wars? Any of them? Michael, have you seen Star Wars? Good grief. Jeez, Chris. All right. Never mind. We'll, we'll deal with that later on. But no, it's not a comedy, Chris. You, you know what? I'm not, you're not going to get my blood pressure up tonight. I'm, I'm having a great night. You're not going to upset me. Apparently, there's a ship on there called Slave One. It's now called Fire Spray. Why? Because of the term slave. I don't expect you to care about the name of Boba Fett's ship, although undoubtedly there's at least one person listening to me right now and he's dressed up like Boba Fett and playing with his fake lifesaver in his lightsaber in his room or something like that. I get all that. None of this stuff matters, but I will say this. This is yet another example of what I tell you. And actually, I'm going to read an email that backs this up here in just a second. It's one of the great emails I've ever gotten. It's from a former communist. And she lays out how she used to think. It's really, really good. Before I get to that in a second, remember, these people, it's their religion. It's their God. It's their entire existence. Every single part of their life is filtered through communism. So even when you sit down to write a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars show, I don't know, this is probably on Disney Plus or something like that. You're sitting down. You're one of the writers. It would never occur to you. It would never occur to you to set aside your religion when you're writing a movie. No, 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 no. Your religion is always at all times at the forefront of everything you say and do. That's why, and we'll actually get to this too in a minute when we talk about Hope uh, Hope Solo and Megan Rapinoe and feminists. That's why they're so successful in taking over countries like they have ours, but it's also why they're so miserable. They're always miserable. Haven't you noticed that? Name me the name me the happy the happy Black Lives Matter activist you want to go grab a beer with. Name me the happy feminist you want to go uh, have some soy coffee with. Name me the happy LGBTQ, I don't know how many letters there are. Name me the happy activist for that. Name me the happy environmentalist. The kind of person just has an infectious laugh. Man, she seems so pleasant. I want to go hang out with her and hear about Mother Earth. Have you ever even seen one? They're always miserable because it consumes them. It's not just a religion. It's a bad one. A really bad one. It's a religion of destruction and domination. That's why they're miserable at all times. Remember when that hammer thrower, that hag Gwen Berry, was competing for the Olympics? Ended up not meddling at the Olympics. But she ended up doing, of course, some Black Lives Matter protest at the podium. And I told you, what did I tell you to do? I said, go do an internet image search of her. Not to make fun of her appearance, no. Go do a close-up search of her face. Go look at her face a million different times. Always miserable. Always scowling. Always like she always looks like she just bit into a, a bad apple or something like that. Always at all times. I don't know why I said bad apple. I guess you probably don't bite into bad apples, do you, Chris? I mean, people can be bad apples. That would probably be me. But you don't bite into bad apples. 
You know what? We're probably spending too much time on this. It's a professional radio show. Let's go to the email. I I just described it to you. Don't take it from me. Take it from one of them. Hi, Jesse. As a former leftist slash commie who worked for Democrats, I really understand how they think. It is very much based on emotions, groupthink, and shaming. It truly is like a religion. It consumes your entire life, and if you don't practice it constantly, you will begin being shamed. Remember that after the day I started to distance myself and didn't vote in a local municipal election one year, I was wrecked with guilt. The first person I admitted to not voting was my therapist during that time. This might seem silly, but I knew I violated a major doctrine of the religion in a sense. Looking back now, I realize how beeped up the whole thing was. I wasn't going to say the word, Chris. It is truly a twisted and cruel religion. There is no other way to put it. And anybody who walks away will be excommunicated. She didn't say I could say her name, but lady, that is an outstanding email. And thank you for backing up what I've been trying to explain to people for so long. In fact, I'm setting this aside. I'm going to read this again, this show. In fact, I'm going to read your email again a lot so people can understand what I'm saying. It consumes them. Remember this part of the email. She didn't vote in a local municipal election. You, you're listening to the sound of my voice right now. You care a lot about politics. Otherwise, you'd be listening to anything else. How many local municipal elections have you skipped? I mean, some, right? Undoubtedly, you've skipped some. There's a chance, I hope not, but there's a chance you've never voted in one. She skipped one. One had to go talk to her therapist about it. Now... It proves to you how miserable they are, but it should also be a wake-up call for how committed they are. They are committed all the way, all the way. A local municipal election, she didn't vote and had to go see her therapist. They are that consumed with what they believe. Now, do you and I think we should probably be more aggressive Do you think you and I should probably be more on offense? Do you think? Do you think these people are, you just read, you just read, you heard the email. Do you think these people are going to back off? Do you think people who think like that, you think they're looking around right now at the condition of America and they're saying to themselves, oh, we've done enough. Let's, let's, let's sit it out for a bit. We've ruined enough. They don't think like that. That's what I've been trying to explain. Handsome Oracle J. Steele III, Shogun Premier of the New Republic of Jesse. That is a group. Don't don't roll your eyes, Chris. That's an excellent email. Those are my titles. Actually, he forgot Sombrero, but for the most part, that's, that's most of them anyway. I've seen several stories this week about medical care being denied to the unvaccinated. Will this only speed up the national divorce Or will it lead to violence? He says the national divorce is preferred. Violence is not preferred. Goes on to talk about, can you imagine one of your kids being denied care? So on and so forth. (sighs) He signs it a concerned husband and father of four. I I do actually have some thoughts on this medical care thing because this is picking up. This is becoming a trend. 
I won't, I won't treat this person. They're unvaccinated. I won't treat unvaccinated people. Let's have this talk. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. The question was the medical care being denied to the unvaccinated. We're starting to see this more and more. Just heard about another doctor in Alabama. He won't see unvaccinated patients. This is coming. This is actually coupled with another medical problem we're having. I don't want to use the word crisis because my word has that thing been overused, especially in the last year and a half. Medical problem is this. Coronavirus comes down. America doesn't use even the slightest little bit of common sense. They decide hospitals should stop doing elective surgeries. Hospitals, they're not charities. Hospitals have to make money. That's what pays for all the doctors and nurses and equipment and whatnot. Hospitals have to make money. Hospitals make money on elective surgeries. They stop doing that. Hospitals began to cut down on staff. They began to furlough doctors and nurses. What I'm saying is, for the public health, we, redu- we reduced the number of doctors and nurses in the United States of America. Funny how that worked out, isn't it? And now we have this division between I won't treat this guy and I won't treat that guy and so on and so forth. Yes, this is going to, I don't think it'll result in, in violence per se, but it's yet another thing. It's yet another thing that is contributing to dividing this nation, dividing one citizen against the other. It's what I tried to warn. Look, I've been trying to warn everybody at the beginning of all these things. The second something happens, I can see where it's going. That's why I nicknamed myself the Oracle, Chris. Now, seriously, I, I see where it's going and I warned it. The second they started changing the language to calling this the pandemic of the unvaccinated, this is the unvaccinated's fault, this is you, it's your fault if you're unvaccinated, I came on this show and what did I tell you? This is creating a second class of people in a society, and that never goes well. It's happened a million times throughout history. Them. You see those people? They're not only lower than you. They're not only second-class citizens. Those are the people responsible for all the problems we have right now in a society. That's what we're doing as a nation to unvaccinated people. So this medical care thing, yeah, it's going to contribute to it, but it's just another step in that direction. It's not nearly the last step. Oh, there will be more steps coming. There will be more steps coming because now what's happened is – The Biden administration, on top of everything else they've managed to screw up, the Biden administration, they need COVID to go away. He campaigned on being the president who's going to defeat the virus, right? Well, it's a virus. It's not going away. As I've been trying to explain, you're not going to cure it. It's never going away. You treat it if you get it and move on. So what do you do? If you're Joe Biden, what do you do? You campaigned on being the one who was going to defeat it. You didn't defeat it. Do you think he's going to step up and say, whoops, I was wrong? No. He's going to find somebody to blame. Who's he going to find to blame? You. It's going to be you. That's how it works. 
Dear Shogun of the Radio Waves, listening to your gambling story in Las Vegas, I told a story yesterday on the show about the first time I ever gambled in Las Vegas. And that it's, it was the reason that to this day I still won't gamble significantly, a little bit here and there. It's worth a listen. If you missed it, go to iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes and just download yesterday's podcast. It's all free. But that story is probably worth your time. Anyway, listening to your gambling story in Las Vegas, it reminds me of my only experience gambling. It was on my honeymoon. My wife and I won a trip to Florida. Oh, how sweet is that? Winning a trip for your honeymoon. Yeah, I know you'd appreciate that, Chris. Save money. And we stayed at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tampa. We were never big gamblers, and we were never in a casino before, so we were wide-eyed noobs like you. Anyway, my uncle, who was a gambler, said I would be made as fresh meat if I joined any table, so I went to one of the one-armed bandits with $25. I spent $10 and $160 and walked away. I have never been back in a casino since. Still up 50 bucks. (laughs) He says you can say my name. Stay handsome. His name is Kevin. That's such a great story. He's always going to be up if he can maintain that discipline. The question is, and I'm assuming it's been some years, right? But how long can you last? Right? See, this is and this is how they get you. They, They get they get suckers like me. I would view that as, well, I mean, I'm up 50 bucks. What if I could be up 100 bucks? And that's how you end up getting yourself wiped out. That's how you get yourself wiped out. All right, let's let's rehash the Afghanistan situation for those who are not up on the uh, up on the news. Um, well, it couldn't possibly be going any worse. We now the, the the number is now up to fifteen thousand. That is actually adjusted during the show. The number is up to fifteen thousand American citizens that are still stuck there. Uh, we don't have a plan to get them out. We're telling them get to the airport. Oh, by the way, but I'm not sure how you're going to get to the airport. I can't guarantee your safety. It's a big old mess. You know what we need, Chris? We need a break before we go to Afghanistan. And we need to go to one of the great audio clips of all time. There were some professional wrestlers just doing some talk in like a schoolhouse gymnasium. These were old retired professional wrestlers. And one of the great wrestling fans of all time showed up. I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for all you've done to your bodies. It's still real to me, damn it! What does that have to do with anything? Oh, I have no idea. It has nothing to do with anything. But we're about to talk Afghanistan, and aren't you about sick of that? It's miserable. All right. We do have a defense secretary, kind of. Lloyd Austin is his name. He's that boob who's been traveling all over the world with a face mask and a face shield on. Really projecting strength. Thanks, Lloyd. They asked Lloyd today, uh, okay, Lloyd, there are 10, 15,000 American citizens there. You pulled all the military out. They're still there. They're now in grave danger. Could you break down what the plan is? And this is what Austin had to say. A distinction, uh, Barb, between extracting someone in an in extremist condition versus uh, going out and collecting up large numbers of American citizens. Do you have the capability to go out and collect Americans? We don't have the capability to go out and collect up large uh, numbers of, of people. Oh, okay, good, good, that's great. Well, uh, here's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, um, Millie. He 
He, he had no way to see this coming. The time frame of a rapid collapse, that was widely estimated and ranged from weeks to months and even years following our departure. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. Central Command... Okay. Boy, that... I want you to keep in mind, those are the two top military people in the United States of America. That's the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Caught... I mean, pants down is probably being nice. And not only is that their statement... Remember, this is the 18th. Chris, I have that right? The 18th? This is several days after the crisis has unfolded. This is them after they got together and prepared statements they thought would be good for you. This is them prepared. They had no idea. We're embarrassed on the world stage. Again, I don't care that we left Afghanistan. Good. Screw Afghanistan. How did we leave 10,000 American citizens behind? How did we leave 10,000 American citizens behind? Hey, good luck, fellas. We're out of here. Gosh. All right. It's time for headlines I didn't get to. I'm finally going to get to this feminist one next. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. It is the Jesse Kelly show. We do have to pay homage to somebody who has actually contributed to my show unknowingly quite a few times. There was a comedy group out there, still is a comedy group out there, called The Whitest Kids You Know. One of the guys in the group, his name was Trevor Moore. He just recently died. He was in his 40s. Don't ask me how he died. They're not saying anything. So we always respect the privacy there. You know, best wishes to him and his family. But the reason this should mean something to you is The Whitest Kids You Know, they produced, without question, the most hilarious True fake campaign ad in the history of mankind. I've probably played this a hundred times on my show. I'll play it 10,000 more times before the day they finally fire me. So in honor of Trevor Moore who died before I get to headlines I didn't get to, here he is. Hi, I'm Clint Webb and I'm running for Senate. I have a short cropped haircut, a pretty enough yet accessible looking wife, and a newborn baby that I've dressed in a suit to prove to you that I mean business. For the last 15 years, I've lived my life in such a bland, uncontroversial, and repressed manner that it's almost unnatural. Why? Because I've been preparing to be your representative since I was a child. Most well-adjusted sane men would be hesitant to take a job where their decisions would so drastically affect the lives of so many. But not me. I possess a sort of sociopathic narcissism that makes me think that I should be in charge of everyone. But all of that needs to start here at home, in this beautiful state that I've grown to love since I moved here 18 months ago. Together we can piggyback some of our state's legitimate needs onto my unquenchable lust for self-glorification. And that's a promise. Here's an unflattering picture of my opponent. Here's a quote of his taken out of context. Oh. And one more thing, I have a dog. I enlisted in the military for the minimum amount of time in a position that would never see combat. Why? Well, because it would help me be your senator. I don't make friends, I make acquaintances. 
All of my motives are ulterior. I'm self-involved to the point of psychosis. My soul is terrifying. And that's leadership. So this November, let's send Washington a message. And what is that message? Hey. Me. Trevor Moore, rest in peace, my friend. That is as funny and as good as it possibly gets. Oh, my gosh. All right, one one last time. I just have to play this because it, it's not going to get a lot of play, but it's still it's so indicative. Justin Trudeau, the PM of Canada, he came out today and said, oh, he talked to an American politician, just just not the one you're expecting. I also spoke last night with former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton who shares our concern for Afghan women and girls. She welcomed our efforts and urged Canada to continue our work. Hillary Clinton? Like the the, the former Secretary of State? The lady who has no power at all anymore? Why? Well, Joe was getting a Werther's original at Camp David. We now are hearing he's he's he left his speech today and went right back home to Delaware for the weekend. I mean, there's nothing else going on, right? <laughs> Gosh. All right, headlines I didn't get to. Hope Solo accuses Megan Rapino of bullying the U.S. women's national team into kneeling for the anthem. Ladies, hear me now. Hear me now. And if you never believe another word I say, believe this. If you're considering feminism, you're you're tempted to do feminism, you're starting to believe it, you're kind of oppressed, whatever. I'm not even going to argue about the, the, the basics of it. I'm not, because I'm not going to bother with it. But I will tell you this. Feminists, everyone hates them. Everybody. Even other feminists hate feminists. Nobody in the history of the world has ever said, gosh, are there any feminists I can hang out with tonight? They're bitter, miserable, horrible people. Do whatever you have to do in your life to avoid becoming a feminist. Trust me on this. I, look, I w- this is me talking. I would rather you wear flats than become a feminist. Well, I know, Chris, that's a drastic step. I'm not, I'm not encouraging flats, obviously. I'm just saying do whatever you can to avoid becoming a feminist. Headline, Media Matters CEO mocks Americans trapped in Afghanistan. Yeah, Media Matters is a wretched communist organization. They actually specialize in trying to get shows like mine kicked off the air. They've tried to get me kicked off the air a bunch of times, but you make the show too popular, and I'm too amazing, so that can't happen. Headline, Republicans flip a state Senate seat where Biden won by 25%. I don't want to read too much into this. It's one seat. Each race tells its own tale, but there are all the indications in the world out there. The midterm elections are going to be a bloodbath for Democrats. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Headline, Biden yet to speak to world leaders after the fall of Kabul. That's right. He still hasn't talked to anybody yet. <sighs> this is so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing that we elected a half-functional adult, or maybe elected a half-functional adult, adult to be president of the United States of America. And look, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something else. Write this down, Chris. Write this down. I could easily be wrong here, and I'll, I'll let me be clear. I don't have any inside information on this at all. None. I have no intel on this. I could see China 
making a play for Taiwan by the end of the weekend. If that sounds like it's really fast, why would they wait? Why would they wait? Old Joe had to go back to Delaware to rest up. He's a little tired. Why in the world would they wait? If I'm China, I'm going today. America can't even get its own citizens out of out of Kabul. What are we going to do to stop China? China's going to take Taiwan. You watch. China's going to take Taiwan, and they're going to take it way sooner than anyone else can imagine. And allow me to just give everybody a heads up here. If that actually comes true, and China takes Taiwan, tries to take Taiwan before the end of the weekend, you probably don't want to listen to the Jesse Kelly show that night because I will be obnoxious about the whole thing. I mean, I'll probably play the clip for you a dozen times. A dozen times minimum, maybe a dozen times per hour. We may just play it on repeat as the whole show, Chris. <laughs> All right. Keep your chin up. We'll have some more fun tomorrow, as always. That's all. <laughs>